Today, I'm chatting with Raul Anton Cuadrado. Cuadrado, yes. A talent data specialist and a remote communication and leadership practitioner. He's also a poet. He connects data sources and implements predictive models, combining his experience in distributed leadership and communication models to help improve hiring and onboarding experiences and to build strong leadership for remote and distributed teams. He has a PhD in learning and communication in the internet, a bachelor's of science in computer science, and an additional one in social and cultural anthropology. You can find him on email, raoulanton at gmail.com. He doesn't really use social networks, but you can find him on LinkedIn. That is one exception. Welcome to Changes Big and Small, Raul. I've wanted to have you here for so long. <laughs> and finally, we get to have this conversation. I'm really glad to be here with you. What makes a successful relationship? I think that relationships are based upon communication and upon the willingness of the two parts. Both parts want to make a successful relationship and both parts needs to communicate. And communication is a two-way activity. There is a common mistake from my perspective when we use the word communication. Sometimes we say, I communicate something to someone. This is not real communication. Communication is a exchange where the two parts are taking part at the same level. So the answer would be willingness and communication to vehiculate this willingness. What do you think? As you were speaking, the word that was coming up for me was intention. Some sort of level of commitment or intention to have a relationship that works for the different parties in the relationship. And then an important element of relationships is also the communication. I've been chatting with many people this season about relationships and the importance of communication, listening, being a big part of that is kind of what you're saying here. We're not communicating to, but rather we're communicating with each other, with other people. This is important. Yeah. Intention. I said willingness. If we focus on relationships at work, what are the important relationships at work? I think this is a good question for you because you used to be my team lead for people who don't know, for listeners of this podcast. And one of the things that I remember you used to often say, say to me was, Damian, you need to create relationships. Relationships are very important at work. And so this is a good chance for you to elaborate on the types of relationships that are important at work and why are they so important? Wow. I don't remember you being so happy when I said this. So <laughs> I, I feel this is a trap question. Well, the, the kind of relationships that you can make at work depends on the kind of structure you have. But I would say that the relationships I'm more interested in are horizontal relationships. Relationships where the two parts have a opportunity to add to the relationship to the um, workflows. If we compare a hierarchical structure and a horizontal one kind of structure that we have in, in our company, in a vertical or hierarchical structure, 
there are very clear positions when any communicative act happens. So when your boss is communicating this fake communication with you, they don't really expect you to give feedback, to state your opinion, other than acknowledging that you are understanding what they are asking you to do. And when you are the boss, you could think that this is great because no one is going to <laughs> say something opposed to your ideas. But I felt in the past very uncomfortable with people not able or not feeling comfortable to tell me what they thought. I even had some scenarios where I directly asked for an opinion and people were not confident to give their opinion before knowing mine. They were not taught to share what they thought. And this is clearly against happiness at work and also against, because this is very linked, productivity against lots of things that are around happiness and productivity, but these would be the two most important words. In a horizontal schema, you are expected to say what you think, even if it is opposed to what the team lead thinks. Of course, there is always someone who needs to take the decision, but not before knowing what the other people in the team think. And this is a key point. This is marvelous when you are a team member, but even better when you are the team lead. Being a team lead and not accepting that anyone else could share their ideas with you is boring. It's not useful. And I don't find any advantage in being a team leader if you cannot integrate these opinions with yours and, and, and make wider your horizons by adding new perspectives. Yeah. And what I'm really hearing is the whole idea of in relationships, you're adding value to each other. And so there is that multidirectional communication and flow of information that happens. Yeah. I mean, this is the key point of useful communication from my perspective, being horizontal and being open or transparent. And you say that I wasn't so happy when you used to talk about relationships and that is true. No. I didn't understand what you were talking about. So for example, at the time I was fairly new to remote work. I'm, I'm kind of doing some mind travel. I'm not 100% sure if I remember this correctly. But I thought, okay, he's talking about relationships. Is he talking about friendships? What does he mean in this mm. context of work? What is he expecting me to do? How does this look when we're all yes. working remotely? And I think this question comes up for many other people because I've had this conversation with many others where it's one thing to hear, okay, relationships are important. And it's important to put time and energy into creating relationships. But then there's the whole element of what relationships? How does this look in a remote work environment? Yeah. I think that the key point of, uh, there are two main values in relationships. In hierarchical structures, things are made because there is someone who decides. And because there is someone who is the owner of the process and they have the resources clearly defined, et cetera, et cetera. So they don't even need 
to have relationships other than communication with their boss or the stakeholder, the one who releases the resources to get things done. But in flat structures, relationships like clear working flows of communication are very important because you could be working with sometimes more with willingness resources than with time or money resources. And the only way to mobilize these willingness resources is by communication. So this is one of the two things. The other one, and this is golden for me, and it took time to understand this, is because relationships are fun. Not necessarily friendship, but relationships. You have the opportunity in these new working environments that we are defining, remote environment, distributed environments, to exchange points of view, perspective with diverse people, even divergent people that you are meeting at work in these new environments. And this is interesting. This is fun. Someone in a book, you remember this book by the former Netflix head of HR? There is a point where she said that she was trying to find the best perks to foster retention of people, et cetera, et cetera. And at a given point, she found that it's not throwing parties, that the best perk that you can offer to someone is being surrounded by brilliant people. You can only tap on having these brilliant people around you by communicating with them. Is this Patty McCord? Is this the person you're trying to remember? Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah. So on one hand, in flat structures, you need communication to mobilize resources. On the other hand, it's fun. It's interesting. Okay, let's say that we accept that it's fun and it's interesting. That still doesn't get to the how do we do this. If you're used to working in an office, then you run into people. There is a lot of spontaneity that helps you establish some of these relationships. Mm. You're in the cafeteria. So there are two elements that come up when you're working in an office, which is proximity and spontaneity that are big factors in creating mm. relationships, friendships, connections with people. How do we translate that into a remote or distributed work environment? This is a good question. First of all, we tend to take it for granted when we're working in an office that we create relationships, but this is not 100% true. Huh. Because being in front of someone for eight hours a day does not equate to create a relationship with this person. That's true. I agree. So let's say, how do you create the opportunity then? So I don't think that a office has magical powers. We tend to think this, right? I, I like saying that the office is a fetish because in some way we think that there are a list of things that can't just happen in an office. And it's true that when you give a talk about remote work, there is a list of questions that you always get, like, how can you possibly make relationships in remote environment? This is one of them. Well, in remote environment, you need to be intentional with creating these relationships and with enabling the communication that underlies this relationship creation. And there are several 
access where you need to be intentional. I would say that there are six intersections from work-related communication and, and personal communication, and then the intersections with one-to-one team communication and organizational level, like six clear spheres of where this communication can happen. And for each one of these six spheres or spaces, you need to be intentional and you need to have a clear strategy to enable and encourage this communication to happen. So tell me again, those six of the dimensions you were looking at were one-to-one team communication, organizational level. And then the intersection of these three with work-related communication, this is important, and also personal-related communication, this is important too. And this is what we tend to think that happened in conventional offices. It sometimes happens, sometimes not. When you're working in a conventional office, it happens that the people that you create a bigger rapport with are not in your same office, but in another office, maybe in a different even city. And there is no such big difference between working remotely with them and, and working in two different offices. Okay. So this is very high level. <laughs> Let's bring it down to the day-to-day application level for people. What are some <laughs> concrete actions or considerations that people need to think of for any of those dimensions or spheres that you're talking about? With some examples. We're not going to cover all these uh, dimensions because we have not. That would be a whole podcast. But for instance, something that is quite controversial. So (laughs) one-on-ones. When you're a team lead, you try to put time aside to make one-on-ones with each one of your team members once a week, sometimes once every two weeks. Depends, right? This is something that also works in conventional offices, right? You should have one-to-ones with people. When you are starting in a lead position, you tend to have weekly, usually, or more often one-to-ones. When you get things working, when you have, let's say, a, a, a better knowledge of what is happening in the team, etc., you skip one-on-ones or one-to-ones and even could decide to have a bi-weekly one-on-one or a monthly one-on-one or whatever, because you think that this is not so important. Well, my take on this is that you as a team lead should always have weekly one-on-ones, even if you don't have any agenda, because the relationship that you create with people by communicating sometimes about not work-related things. And this doesn't mean that, that you are friends with, with the people you are talking with. Sometimes it, this is not needed. But the relationship that you create by communicating weekly is golden. And it's something that you as a team lead, but also the other person in the team could tap into when the time comes. And this is something that you cannot maintain by having monthly one-on-one, by putting aside time just every month to look at the other eyes and try to understand what they think. This is a good example. I don't know that I agree, but I will open to reflecting on it and having listeners reflect on this also. 
I, I choose this because it's controversial. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. I think there is an implicit assumption there that connection only happens when you are in a video call with somebody else. Yeah, it's true. I said, look into the other eyes. Okay, let's put it in another words. You said intentional. By intentionally put time aside to be just with this person, not doing other things while we are. So video calls are not the only way to do this, but it's a mean that allows you to focus on what you are doing. And what you are doing is to communicate, to put all your senses in communicating with this person. If you are using a slide, you could be tempted to overlap this conversation with other things. Slack is a, a, a wonderful communication mean, but by having a, oh, well, of course, you can be in a video call and still doing other things, but <laughs> so it's more difficult. What I mean is that when you are communicating with someone, you should be communicating. Fully present. Yeah. Because you have been intentional in setting this time aside. If you are doing other things because you are not enjoying, you are not understanding what you are getting from this um, conversation, maybe it would be a better use of both sides' time to do other things. Let's go even broader and, and more concrete so that anybody who's listening, regardless of their circumstance, could be able to relate. <laughs> Sometimes when people move to working remotely or working distributed, then they might say things like, I typically have somebody to have lunch with at work. I might catch up with a colleague during lunch. And how do I make that happen in a remote work environment? If, if I understand you, you are asking me how we translate these lunch meetings into a remote environment. Right? Lunch fun, lunch gatherings. Let's call them gatherings as opposed to okay. meetings. So it's more along the personal communication dimension okay. than the work communication. Because the, let's say that there are two kinds of lunches, right? Yep. On one side, work lunches, and on the other side, not work-created yep. lunches. I think work lunches tend to happen a lot more easily in remote. It transfers very, very well to remote because you get on somebody's calendar, which you would mm. do whether you're in the office or working from home. This is another history, but I think that we should try to keep work-related activities to followed, transparent, and open environments where everyone can participate. Something that I can very well see in conventional office environments is that some of the decisions and some of the work processes could happen in one of these gaps that are not transparent. And I don't like this. And I think it is in the long term, not very useful. It creates differences between team members. Okay. So for the friendly lunches, that is something that you, again, need to be intentional to implement this in a remote environment. You need to create coffee machine or lunch opportunities in these remote environments. And you need to be clear to create them. As you know, in automatic, we have water coolers. That is the coffee machine equivalent when you want to be inclusive, not everyone likes coffee, could be tea, but everyone 
drinks water, <laughs> I guess. So you can create spaces where, where to meet around hobbies. You can create spaces to meet around regions where you are living or interests, etc. But the key point is that, give, let me give you some examples. So we have a P2 where people suggest. For people who uh, are not sorry. familiar with the lingo, a P2 is a communal blog. I would say that this kind of blog is very similar to a forum where people suggest activities that could be from a group meditation to a remote but, but all together phrase for people that like running. A couple of months ago, something that was very cool was a 24 hours phrase where people were passing the baton, we say, right to the next one. And it was really nice because you're part of the race, you send the baton and, and you send a message to the next one. It, it, it created a very nice connection. You can also play video games together. There are some spaces where you play table games. There are some in-person gatherings. This is of course easier when you share the same a geographical context, you need to understand that communication needs some spaces to happen and you need to create them. You need to be intentional again. We usually think that this happens per se in the office environment. This is not true. The sad part is that even if we think that, that communication always happens in, in offices, there are a lot of isolated people in, in offices even being surrounded by teammates or so, because they don't really communicate. In remote environments, it's so clear that you need to be intentional, that communication flows more naturally, I would say. Some of the examples that Raul is sharing are from Automatic. We both work at Automatic, which is a distributed remote work environment. Automatic with two Ts. Raul, as a, what is it called? Polylingual? Polylinguist? Is that the correct term? As somebody who speaks many languages, you have been involved in relationships in many languages. We're speaking in English and I know yes. you speak with some other people in Spanish or in French. Are there any challenges that come up specific to that with having yes, multiple languages? Yeah, absolutely. Language is the tool for communication. It's true that if you are not a very good speaker, you could find some problems to really create these meaningful relationships through communication. I've suffered this. <laughs> I say suffer because it, it's a lot of effort to master a new language, but it pays off. It takes time, it takes effort, it takes willingness, intention, et cetera, et cetera, but it pays off because you discover yourself creating new relationships and getting to know new people around you. This is important. I, I dream of the day where <laughs> something translates you directly while you are talking in a Zoom call to another language. That would be great. And I think, to be honest, that we are close. What do you want people to know or consider? I think sometimes I see misunderstandings happen because of translation or mm -hmm. because of even cultural differences that are sometimes connected to language. 
we as people, how do you hope we show up when we're dealing with people from so many different cultures and who speaks different languages? Well, these different cultures and different languages are a source of issues, but also a source of diversity. And this is cool too, right? If you accept that you are part of a diverse environment where, and this is key, you don't tolerate or respect differences, but relish them. You could accept some misunderstandings, some communication problems, and you need to be able to, you know, repeat things in another way. You need to accept that you didn't understand something and you ask the other to repeat. But this is cool because in exchange, you gain a lot of, again, sorry about this, but a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of food for your brain. Let's touch on relationships a bit more broadly than just work relationships. I think when you're working remotely, it can be a bit hard to set up boundaries. I recently had a group of people who were new to the company and I was talking to them about how do you delineate between the time you're working and the time you're spending with your family. Those yeah. kind of boundaries are really important to consider when you're working remotely, when you're working from home. How does it work for you? What do you find useful? This is one of the most important things when you are working remotely or specifically from home, where you have your office you know, close to your dining room. This is important. You need to be very clear and again, intentional when defining when you start to work and when you uh, finish your work. One of the cool parts of working in an office is that you spend time going to the office so you make a clear distinction between being outside and inside your working hours. And, and more importantly, when you go back home, this half an hour, if you are lucky, that you spend in your car or in the tube or in the underground, allow you to reflect that you are going home, that your working hours stop. So you need to find a way to highlight these boundaries. What do I do? is I use meditation as a way to do this. And um, I define at the very beginning of my day, the working hours that I'm going to work for that day, because it could change from one day to another. At the end of my day, I meditate for five to 10 minutes, just to be very clear that I stopped working and I'm not going to switch on the computer again. I, I wrote a very nice post. It's not because, <laughs> because I wrote it, but I would totally recommend it where I uh, share my strategies to be sure that I'm using my spare time, not for work, because this could be a temptation when you are working from home. And that's very important, right? Because then we need to be careful and uh, intentional about the other relationships in our lives that are not just work relationships. Letting Absolutely. work bleed into non-work time can be very detrimental to families and other types of relationships. I know some of the listeners are teachers and I'm very curious about your perspectives as teachers too, in terms of how do you uh, create boundaries around homework, which is grading or whatever else you may need to bring home and then happy time for families and that kind of thing. So if you want to comment or if you want to come chat about that, then please contact me. 
Raul, do you have an invitation or a challenge for listeners of something that you think would help them with making remote work and making relationships a bit more healthy, more fun? Yeah, I think the key point is, this is from you, not from me, being intentional. I'm using over and over this word, but it's the key point. You need to be intentional. You need to want to make relationships at work and outside, working remotely and especially from home. You could have the temptation to think that you're working alone and keep these relationships time in favor of focused working time. This could work in the very short term, but not in the midterm. You would feel miserable. And this is not useful in terms of productivity and in terms of happiness. And listen, productivity is with you eight hours a day and happiness 24. So take care of yourself. There's a tweetable, a tweetable moment <laughs> with that quote, <laughs> Raul. And for listeners, to bring it down into our tiny habits, I think one thing I could invite people to do is think about one relationship at work that you would like to be intentional about, that you would like to reach out on some sort of regular basis to that person to establish that connection, whatever it may be. So start yes. with one at, at the this, very least. This could seem Machiavellic even, right? But I, I might maintain a chart of relationships that I want to keep alive. Uh, at yeah. work. I think that whatever works for you. I know that for me, I realized that I don't really have a good sense of time. And sometimes it could be one week has passed or two weeks, or it could be eight weeks has passed. And so a chart would actually be really helpful to just be mm. like, mm. I really treasure my connection with this person. And if it's something mm. that you treasure, something that you find fun and exciting and that you want to maintain, then it does take some work to do that. And that could be in chart form yes. if it's helpful. Mm. Yeah, yeah. When I talk about video one-on-ones and so on, I was more talking about the relationship between team leads and, mm-hmm. and team members because we sometimes neglect this part. The others are more, if you want, formal, and it could very well happen in a different way or from time to time in a video one-on-one and you keep alive the conversation with, with Slack. I think that the healthy way to keep conversations or relationships alive is good balance between synchronous, asynchronous, and depending on the tools that you feel more comfortable using, or even these tools can change depending on the people you are talking with, et cetera, et cetera, of course, and it depends on the persons, right? So when I talk about Zoom calls, I was referring to a very particular kind of conversations. Yeah. Raul, thank you so much for chatting no, thank about you. remote work, distributed work, and all of the things. Thank you for challenging me. Uh, I, I love being here. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please share it with someone else who you think will benefit. Would you please contact me with any questions that you may have? You can reach me at contact at changesbigandsmall.com. Remember, change begins with one small step. Have a great week.